We're getting back to it soon, but have a little patience. Let's get started. Another race for the world's greatest driver, Juan Manuel Fangio. Former world champion Jim Clark leapt into the lead. That's Clark's Lotus going like a bomb. And James Hunt is the world champion by just one single point. By being a racing driver, you are under risk all the time. And if you no longer go for a gap that exists, you're no longer a racing driver. And that is Michael Schumacher ahead, the world champion. To become a four-time world champion, Sebastian Vettel, Lewis Hamilton, champion of the world. That's for all the kids out there who dream the impossible. Max Verstappen, for the first time ever, is champion of the world. Hello and welcome to episode 31 of F1 in Review, the episode and the hour where we discuss the latest moves in the driver market and look forward to the return of the Singapore Grand Prix after a two season long absence from the calendar. I'm Tom Claiborne and I'm joined as ever by Tristan Fancourt and Angus Gallagher. A reminder that you can follow myself and Tristan individually on Twitter as well as the F1 in Review accounts where we post these episodes sporadically once they've gone out live on River Radio. And we start off with the freshest piece of news that will affect the entirety of fans, drivers, garages, constructors, and that's the fact we're having more sprint events, as they're being called, for next season's calendar of Formula 1. There will be six, doubling it from last year, and that means there'll be one sprint for every four races. This uh, confirmation has been delayed by the FIA president, but our thoughts on this, we're having more sprint races, more sprint weekends, more points, when it comes to the Drivers and Constructors Championship, our thoughts on this news, lads? I enjoy the fact you said um, joined as ever. Um, this is the first time we've all been together for a number of weeks now. So it's nice to have the, the full group, you know, back together to discuss what I think is a bit of an interesting week in, in Formula One news. And yeah, we, th- we are starting with the sprint races. And I'm rather pleased because this is actually something we predicted successfully in the last podcast. Um, I think Tom, mm. you said maybe four, and I went up to six. Um, but we were around the ball, right? You know, ballpark, and hey, not to blow my own trumpet, but ha, one in four. Um, yeah, that was successfully picked up. So it seems like a quite a sensible number to me because they do want to have sprint races, and and as I said last week as well, they're going to have to have some proper sponsorship for it. And I can't see any multinational uh, corporation chucking a load of money at Formula One and then being like, yeah, so we're going to sponsor the sprint races. How many are you going to do? What's that? Two. Okay. <laughs> That's not going to be enough. So six, six makes sense to me. It does add quite a, a number of points to the world championship potential um, for the driver's uh, potential, which, you know, is is not something to be you know turn your nose up you know those extra eight points you know per sprint race is not something that you know any driver is not going to turn the nose up and and it does give us the opportunity to i suppose prolong the uh the world drivers championship which if you're at the formula one management kind of is the point um there's no point having the the world drivers championship all wrapped up with well let's say five races to go because then everyone would sort of detune themselves from the sport a bit. There is a reason why last year was so exceptional, having it, you know, that tiebreaker in Abu Dhabi 
on the last you know race was incredible in fact it was Abu Dhabi's moment to shine finally all the money hmm. they've been throwing at the FIA to have their at them as the last race of the of the calendar finally paid off eh and it probably did actually now now I look back at it my concern is though will the novelty wear off too soon with sprints and that's one of the questions I have to you because a lot of the fans I think are quite agnostic at the moment to F1 sprints because they don't impact the year too much you know they were a novelty last year and now they're less of a novelty this year but we only had three would you say six is is too much and it's going to force people to take a side and do you think therefore people are going to turn off the idea um well i mean my thoughts on sprint races i've said in the past i'm i'm not a fan and i don't think i'll change that view for a while but i mean no, actually, I don't mean. I'm going to stick to my view. I literally, I, I, I found the news that more sprint races was announced today. I'm not a fan personally. I just don't, don't like the idea of them. I get, I can see that they want to increase the popularity of the sport, which it definitely it seems to be at an all-time high, and they're keen on making sure that there's an even wider fan base. And it's been proven. They've done statistics. They've done studies showing that. The viewership, both the viewership and the income of F1 has increased because of the sprint races. The income shouldn't be a um, rocket science, I think, because if you get more crowd in on a Friday night when it's qualifying instead of practice and you get more crowd in on a Saturday afternoon when it's, or later on a Saturday afternoon when you've got a sprint, an actual race situation rather than qualifying, that's the income's not a surprise. The viewership's an interesting one because there was arguments that... Um, the Saturday race maybe wouldn't be as well received because people would still want to watch qualifying, but it works well, I guess, and from that side because it dovetails because you get Friday qualifying is now in the evening, so it was about what five six p.m. UK time, for example. So just after work, people finish work on Friday, they want to go watch some F one, so that works quite well. Um, so that the viewership and income are both increased, so therefore it's seen as a um, as a popular as a popularity increase and also a success. Uh, commercially and you're right Tristan it does affect it does affect the point standings quite a bit I mean this year the I mean yeah with the championship lead for Verstappen being so high the effect for sprint race isn't really you can't really measure it but when you have six sprint races a year and eight points for a win that's 48 points that is a lot up for grabs for both the championship fight constructors fight and also some lower placings in the order so like they can be definitely become more high stakes, um, or will become more high stakes. But I still, my my thoughts are I did I did very well biting my tongue and like looking from the other side, playing devil's advocate. But I still I just don't think they add anything. So my, this news is disappointing for me. I get that it increases the popularity and the income, but I just oh, it's not for me. It's just I'm I'm a traditionalist. Maybe I'm maybe I'm. Uh, I'm a dinosaur who can't move from the traditions of the past, but I like my I like I like my race weekend with a bit of practice. You know, it's on. You don't have to watch it, but you can if you want. Building up into Saturday qualifying, which is the absolute uh, peak of Formula One machinery at at pace and driver skill at speed, and then the race, the grid is set, and you can have an interesting finale and see how it progresses from there. So maybe I'm just boring, but the. The sprint sprint races, and some people would say I am, but maybe the sprint races are just not for me. And I think also think it opens the door for they're trying things, and I I get also I appreciate the fact to be fair that they haven't gone straight in with something ridiculous like reverse grids, 
um, or something even more stupid, like sprinkling the track as Bernie Eccleston used to. Well, that sounds really dodgy out of context. Um, he 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 suggested having sprinklers on uh, dry races to basically make it wet and make it more interesting, which is just oh, that the thought of that makes me just makes me sick inside. Um, and like, I get that Ross Braun and Stefano Domenicali uh, now have like deliberately brought in this sprint because they they don't want to go too like too far down the line of like making it gimmicky if that makes sense but i think i think i'm just i'm just traditional so personally i wouldn't change how it was if it ain't broke don't fix it personally it's a bit like how a bit like how a few years ago when they wanted to change qualifying to that timed knockout system and it was dreadful um and they quickly pan they quickly got rid of that thank goodness um and yes i admit sprints are better than that for sure but like it was fine how it was so why change it in my opinion but as our as our skeptic in chief Angus, and to answer the question that I I sort of posed, right, this is going to force people to you know become uh, less agnostic, less apathetic towards the sprint races, right? They will have to take a side. But as as our chief skeptic, where, how do you think the fans are gonna are gonna react once we get to this many sprint races? Once it does have such an effect on the uh, championship leaderboards, I think we have enough of a there's enough of a fan base who are still like from the older the oh, i don't want to divide the fan base into pre-netflix and post and uh post netflix but yet. <laughs> like the, the, yeah oh, <laughs> there's definitely like a lot more people have come in since the drive to survive series and also just through like the way social media has grown like things get more um more exposure anyhow so like it was you could say it would be inevitable that things would reach out to people over time um so I think again stereotyping massively here, but I like I, I think that the pre Netflix generation would be more uninclined to sprint races, whilst the post Netflix generation would be more open because they've seen they've only seen the sport through the lens of the last few years, the last couple of years, which is fair. Which is fair. It's understandable. You know, you've only you're only viewing something for as long as you've seen it. Um, so I, and also I think it's something which, unless it was something which absolutely united everyone against it like it will just go on anyway because if enough people like it then the rest will be annoyed or like not be a fan of it such as myself but wouldn't like like i'm not going to uproot trees to stop f1 doing sprint races i'm just not in favor of them so to speak so like i think the fans will just like how last year when they first came in the fans received them they're okay um like they, the I personally, I'm not a fan. I, I, the main thing I don't like is how Stefano Domenicali comes out and says that was a fantastic success. It was lots of on-track overtakes and many parts of action when there just wasn't, uh, and they're clearly pushing an agenda. And also, we live in a world of short-termism where people get annoyed at something or angry, and then they move on the next day and forget they ever got annoyed. So I can see them staying and being well received over time, but not necessarily just yet. I think there's a couple of things that will decide whether the sprint races moving forward are taken on more favourably or not. And first of all, it's worth saying we don't know where the sprint races will be, the six sprint races. If they're going to be at tracks like, off the top of my head, Las Vegas, Hungary, 
Qatar, then I don't think they're going to be received so well because these tracks, these tracks aren't suited to overtaking, to expansive racing, to entertaining racing, really. It's all about qualifying being so important. So if they do go and put the sprint races or the sprint weekends onto street circuits more than power circuits, I think that would be to their detriment as well. And also there's got to be a conversation regarding budget caps for teams and all involved really because we're in a situation where inflation is high and we believe going to be growing more generally. And if you add more racing into that, you're going to have to increase the budget cap because otherwise teams, drivers, people involved aren't going to be willing, in my view, to go for a proper race on Saturday and then do the same on Sunday because what is the appeal, what is the reason for them to go for a daring overtake in corner two or corner five, knowing that the damage or the limitations or the drawbacks could be far more than, let's say, the advantages of that, really. So there's got to be a conversation, I think, regarding budget caps and also points as well, because once again, we're seeing sprint races retained, but the system not changing, yet there being more of them. I think, in my view, there's got to be something in terms of either more points I know we d we don't want to make it too gimmicky, but something else to make it a bit different because currently we've got sprint races, which are a reduced race on Saturday for those who perhaps are busy on Sunday and don't want to go and watch the whole thing. There's nothing new about it. There's nothing different about it. It is just another race. So in my view, there's something needs to happen to change it slightly in terms of its fundamentals if there's going to be more and more of this because I still believe that qualifying holds a very important place in terms of Formula One. As Angus said there, it's very much about constructors, teams, drivers, you know, showing their ability and showing the quality of qualifying pace. And if you're just going to go and make it about race pace, then the art of qualifying pace and the art of engineering to make a car go well that way is going to be diminished. And then I think we lose an element of the sport, really. So something needs to change. Otherwise, I think there's going to be a lot of apathy regarding sprints moving forwards. And we move now to the news that Nicholas Latifi will not be racing at Williams next year. And we believe in Formula One more generally. It was announced on their social media page on the 23rd of September that the driver and the team were parting company at the end of the season when his contract would run out. It's not yet been decided or indeed made public about who is going to partner Alex Albon for next year when it comes to Williams. Uh, but in regards to this, we hinted at the fact that uh, Latifi's time in the sport may be up. But now it's officially here. What's our thoughts on this news? Yeah, and it's not a, a very surprising move, is it? Because I think I will balance what I say over the next couple of minutes out with a, a good thing. But um, we start with the more negative size of Latifi's career. He hasn't been particularly brilliant. You know, he is unfortunately going to go down as one of the drivers that is consistent in all the the wrong ways and the, to be fair with the tv he's actually quite consistent he doesn't crash out all that much and i know you're kind of like what crashes all the time actually he's not actually that um crashy or not necessarily as, as much as you might think um instead he likes to be about p16 that seems to be where latifi's you know, go-to uh place on the grid um, is and unfortunately that's not good enough and he does bring with him a lot of money and Williams has absolutely used that money and and you know pushed it maybe to its, its fullest advantage and that's allowed people like you know, George Russell to, to have a car underneath him that could show his talent so without 
Latifi's money, we might not have got George Russell. So that's a good side. See, he told you, this is what we call balanced journalism. Um, mm. Unfortunately, Latifi with him also has quite a lot of baggage. And especially after the end of last year, we cannot forget one of the, I think, you know, biggest shocks in Formula One for, you know, a number of years now, four or five years, you know, was caused by Latifi. Latifi did drop his Williams into the wall in the last five laps of the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, which led to Max Verstappen winning the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix and taking the 2021 Drivers' Championship away from Lewis Hamilton and preventing Lewis Hamilton from getting his eighth World Championship. You know, that that was a massive impact. You know, that's a monumental crater caused by Nicholas Latifi. And Latifi got some horrible press for that and, you know, death threat threats and things like that, which was just despicable. And, you know, I think lots of us came out, you know, defending Latifi because, to be honest, you know, he shouldn't have got that. And, and unfortunately, though, this is following Latifi and, you know, the, the memes and the jokes about him are just are getting too much and Williams needs a driver that can hold their own to a rookie who jumps into the car on the morning of a race and and you know fortunately Latifi isn't that that driver and you know, Nick DeVries beats him which means he's effectively a number three driver right <laughs> um and that's pretty unforgivable I couldn't see any other team you know, sort of accepting that result unless there's other mitigating circumstances but Latifi did have a few moments of glory, and uh, my my favourite you know, Latifi moment came at the British Grand Prix this year when Latifi ended up getting his first, and I guess only, um, but <laughs> that's a bit premature maybe, a Q3 appearance in the British Grand Prix when he got you know in qualifying got to Q3 in the Williams in the wet, which is you know a pretty darn good achievement. So yes, Latifi has made an impact in the sport he is an impactful driver fortunately too many of those impacts have been uh negative and he has with him quite a lot of baggage so i think williams it's time for them to gracefully allow him to drop out the sport he's had three years there as well which is you know, a good amount of time mm. i think latifi's had fun we've had fun watching him the memes you know the go tifi stuff is is really fun but it's time for him to to leave the sport and hopefully open up the seat to a new driver and hey we can thank Latifi for a few things we can thank him I think for getting George Russell into Mercedes because without the money from Latifi Williams might have um you know folded which is no good thing especially when you know I know they've got Geraldton Capital there they're say that they're overarching funders but Latifi mattered really let's face it um and we can also thank him for providing us with a a, a sort of je ne sais quoi to many of the races, that little bit of something, when everything's just a little bit boring, Latifi would often deliver us something rather magic. So um, I thank him for being, as I say, so impactful. <laughs> oh, impactful is a beautiful word to describe him. Uh, I'm sure he'd be delighted to hear that. Um, what to say about Nicholas Latifi? Um, when I say that, I feel like I'm giving a tribute to him like he's just passed away but he hasn't obviously. He's, he's, still, he's still very he's still very much with us and he's still got six races left of his season because who knows he might he's got a lot of money still he might end up at alpine who knows uh you mm, laugh but true, you, never, you, know, you never know he's got a lot of money um but no he's um to be fair he gets a bit of a bad rap for being 
not very good. Um, but he has a solid record in the past. He came second in the F2 Championship at the third attempt, admittedly, but still a decent record there. He's had a couple of other not bad results in other junior formula uh, categories. I'm literally looking through his results now and there aren't that many good ones, I'll admit. But at the same time, um, he has had like a stellar record in F2. And he's he's shown moments in F1. He's shown moments. But I think the main thing is that his moments haven't been persistent and long enough. I think 2020 was a strange year because for many things, of course. But for him... He was rookie in the sport in a truncated year across a shorter period in a pandemic year. So if there's any year to get up to speed with your teammates and and your uh, your colleagues and your mechanics and everything, it's not the year. That's not the year to be it. And he like he did okay. Like he's up against George Russell, who'd been in that car a year. 2021, he showed definite signs of improvement. Um, him technically getting the first points ahead of Russell for Williams that year because he crossed the line ahead of Russell in that uh, Hungary race. Um, so yeah, that was a very notable achievement, which I think for me, we talk about his best moment in F1, I think for me his seventh place because he drove a very mature race that day. He was up. At, I know there was the absolute um, Bottas bowling at the first corner, but <laughs> he the Latifi was in the right place at the right time to go through. He was running third for yep. a little while. And did get passed by faster cars, admittedly, but he had good pace throughout the race, so he maintained it in seventh. Um, so that would be, for me, his best moment. But other moments, like, yeah, he's, he got points in Belgium as well, the same race that Russell got second. His Q3 appearance in Silverstone, which was just completely out of the blue. I know it was a wet session, so it was more um, more likely for that surprise to pop up, but still, fair play to him. Um but yeah, I think that yeah. To summarise, his moments like were, far, were few and far between. His moments were not long enough. Um, but at the same time, it is. It's not. I don't want to say it's not. It's. It's a surprise that the money has been left alone in terms of Williams' decision because we've seen drivers with moments but not persistent talent, such as the two that come to mind are Pastor Maldonado and Marcus Ericsson, who had talent but couldn't deliver for long enough or like were too inconsistent. Um, they both had serious money, as does Latifi, and um, they stayed in the sport for a while. But I think Williams, if it's serious about progressing up the grid again, it needs two strong drivers. Alex Albon is yep. clearly a strong driver, and it now needs to, in my opinion, they've got options in from like junior drivers, like Logan Sargent, who's currently third in F2 in his first year. He's been touted because he's in the Williams Academy, and he's won races in F2 this year, showing good speed. Um but for me, if they want to take themselves seriously, they need a second experienced driver alongside or someone. I say experienced. I'm I'm not including Nick De Vries, but in terms of his age, he's got motorsport experience, being an F2 and Formula E champion. And of course, what he showed on debut was quite quite stunning uh, a couple of weeks ago. So for me, they need to be serious about hiring a new driver who, yes, may need to have a bit of money behind them for sure, but also has a bit of pedigree in F1 or has motorsport pedigree. Um, but yeah, Nicholas Latifi, we say, again, we talk as if he's like leaving F1 genuinely with the money he has. Wouldn't rule it out that he could pop up at Haas or or Alpine's probably a stretch but because I don't think he's on their radar, but he could pop up at Haas maybe. And that's probably the only other option now that uh, Joe was confirmed, which we'll go into later. Um, but yeah, Nicholas Latifi, he gave us many moments. Um and he seemed as well, I mean, we don't know the bloke, of course, but he seemed like one of the nice guys from the outside, 
Um, just seemed like very likable, um, very affable. Got on well with his team. Um, worked hard. Um, but yeah, wasn't meant to be in the end. And I mean, he's still only twenty-seven, so he's got a career in motorsport ahead of him still in other categories. Um, but yeah, wish him all the best and thank you for the memories. I guess <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, leave it at that. <laughs> Yeah, his career certainly isn't over when it comes to Formula 1 because of his age and money, just say there. But um, I think it's right that he's left when he has, really. It's right that his contract's run out and that Williams have decided that, you know, enough's enough, we've given you three years. You've invested heavily into the team, but things just aren't going to happen moving forwards. Because there was the question or warning, I suppose, I posed last episode, that if they continued with a Latifi-type driver... They were prioritising being in the sport rather than competing in the sport. Mm. And I suppose it remains to be seen who they get in to replace him in regards to what their direction really is. Because if they go for an older, more dependable driver, you could say that's a bit safe, a bit conservative. But if they go for a, a new, younger driver, that's perhaps being a bit more ambitious. But that remains to be seen. But Nicholas Atifi, I mean, I can't add too much more to what's already been said, but I think he gets a far worse rap than is needed. There's been far worse pay drivers, in quotation marks, in Formula 1 uh, <laughs> in the past. But um, the reason, as we say, that he's given so much attention, for better or for worse, is because of Abu Dhabi. And I think that's kind of summarises his Formula 1 career, really, because I was giving a, a sort of a quick scan of the Wikipedia page of Nicholas Atifi uh, before coming on here while doing my research. If you believe it or not, I do make notes. And a brief scan showed that um, it was a lot of Latifi crashed after or beached his car after or suffered damage in qualifying uh, to this Grand Prix or that happened or anything else. And there wasn't a lot of positive sort of memories, I suppose, or clippings from the respective races to go and put in his Wikipedia page. And I think really it was a carbon copy of the... A carbon copy was demonstrated, should I say, in terms of Williams's tribute post to him. Because yes, they were trying to sort of dredge up some positives in terms of his career. But when you've got, for example, okay, there were five bullet points for those who don't know. And when having a debut is one of the points, basically, when featuring your home race is another point, and then when getting points on one occasion is the, is the other than Silverstone you know, Q3 and then also the P1 in Hungary. Wow, with a damp outing, brilliant. Um, kind of surmises that, yes, he's had a few decent outings or moments of memory, but hmm, when you're saying literally featuring in a race and finishing P11 of 11 in your first ever Grand Prix as your highlights, that kind of says everything, doesn't it, really? So thank you, Latifi. There's been far worse, but it's right that you're leaving when you are. You know, Latifi always reminds me um, of a pair of Crocs. When I think about Latifi, I do think of a pair of Crocs because it's interesting Crocs because Crocs get a bad rep. And that's because they sort of took them out of their, what they were designed to do. And, you know, Crocs, if you don't know, were designed originally to, to be for, for boaters. And they were designed to be waterproof and, and basically very grippy. You know, they could basically do anything to them and they wouldn't um, get destroyed. And they were waterproof as well, and then and then people started to you know wear them more often because they're easy to put on and off, and uh, so wearing them about, and then they got a bad rap because they got in you know out of their comfort zone. That the Crocs became sort of a weird meme-like fashion icon, 
and you start seeing the, the similarities there, I think, with uh, with Latifi. And um, mm-hmm. and then people always now remember Crocs for being, you know, uncomfortable, blister-creating, you know, things that, that you know, are a bit of a joke and, and are highly unfashionable now. You dare be seen in, in Crocs unless you are one of those people who does wear Crocs, in which case, congratulations, you are part of that group. And similarly to sort of Latifi, right, he will always, unfortunately... As much as he's got that the good stuff behind him, you know, and he he actually managed to to be relatively consistent, managed to you know hold his own every so often, get that that couple of good good points, pace finishes, just like a pair of Crocs, he will always unfortunately be remembered for being you know the the person that that crashed and and had all the the negative press behind them, a bit like how Crocs will never be remembered for being the the boater's friend, you know, the highly reliable dependent pair of shoes they'll always be remembered for being a bit of a weird thing that your 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 nephew wears because he's nine and you decide to get pink and blue ones and latifi unfortunately he he is like a pair of crocs and that's never gonna you know they're gonna leave him so i think he's got to go off and do a different sport he's got to go you know hone his skills in something else i think and i think he might do very very well there and loads of other drivers have gone off and and done well in in other categories now i'm just thinking of like roman grosjean because he kind of had the same thing going on mm. until his final crash um when then all the people who hated on grosjean decided they were his best mate because they felt bad for being mean to him because they suddenly mm. realized that the sport is a very serious sport um but like roman grosjean for example is now off in indycar and you know doing very very well there and i feel like latifi could do with that fresh start as well just like the pair of Crocs, he needs to go off and go back to doing what you know. Perhaps he does best, um, out of the limelight a little bit for for um, a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. And credit to him as well. He is leaving the sport gracefully as well. He's not sort of yeah. putting his foot down, so to speak, and saying, "No, I demand another year, another two years, because I can prove myself and I've got money." Good job. There's not another Canadian like that in the sport, hey lads. Uh, but anyway, um... <laughs> uh, where are you going with that one, Tom? <laughs> I couldn't possibly comment. Uh... <laughs> and moving on now, Alpha Tauri have confirmed that Yuki Tsunoda will be in their team for next season, but it still remains unclear what's happening regarding Pierre Gasly. So Tsunoda is staying on for next season, 2023. But we don't know if he'll be on there for much longer after that. In terms of his contract, we believe it will just be a one year contract and looking at the Frenchman's contract with AlphaTauri that runs out at the end of 2023 as well so there's no rush for Gasly in theory at least AlphaTauri have sorted out their lineup for the coming season but with rumours circulating regarding Gasly going to Alpine and partnering Ocon moving forwards what's our thoughts on the overall situation of AlphaTauri will the current drivers of Gasly and Sonoda be there next season or could we see a last minute switch I think despite Red Bull's tendency in the past to um, be volatile that's the word that comes to mind with their driver selections um, I think Sonoda is safe I mean the fact he's been announced makes him pretty safe still that Red Bull seem to see this thing of like him as the next gem the next star which I still I still don't see I don't think we any of us see that but um the, the one thing which has saved him this year is that there's not any Red Bull juniors tearing it up in F2 um realistically no one that high in the championship no one that close to the champion Felipe Drugovic um this time next year, there's a couple of Red Bull juniors in F3 who come in the top four this year. And if they graduate to F2 and do well, then it could be a very different story for Snowder. But I think for now, he looks 
safe. Um, also laughing at Franz Tost in the announcement saying, Red Bull loves to give a drivers, its drivers a chance in Formula 1. Um, I <laughs> uh, haven't seen that for a while. Mm. But uh, anyway, but yeah, Sonoda will be there. Gasly is an interesting one, isn't he? Because it looked like for a while that Colton Herta would be coming over from IndyCar should they get a super license. And Christian, Christian Horner was quoted as saying that Gasly um, would only leave if there was a, quote, interesting option to replace him. Um, said interesting option, now not going to be an option because the FIA has rejected the super license that mm-hmm. Colton Herter could have got, which would have been, I believe, he wouldn't have had enough through IndyCar points, but he may have had enough had he done some FP1 runs this season. Um, and then he would have been given a like, special dis- dispensation. Um, but that's not going to be happening now. So you have to wonder if Red Bull, if AlphaTauri are going to have an interesting option then to replace Gasly, then who would it be? Now, the one that is rumoured now is Nick DeVries. Obviously, his very um, his very spectacular debut um, with Williams in Monza, basically jumping in the car with minimal practice and absolutely smacking about Nicholas Latifi in terms of quality pace and race pace. Um, but, like, uh, it's an interesting one because I don't see... We forget Nick De Vries, Mercedes Junior. Would Toto Wolff let Nick De Vries, admittedly a Nick De Vries who is older, go through the net and let him go into a Red Bull stable? Because... We're basing it on very small evidence, but could Nick DeVries be a replacement for Lewis Hamilton one day alongside George Russell? It's viable. It's as viable, I'd say, as Esteban Ocon going back there. So I can see DeVries definitely being the interesting option because he's clearly very quick. Um, and he has he's older, he has pedigree outside of Formula 1, as we mentioned earlier. Um, but I just can't... I don't know about a Red Bull Junior, a Red Bull Junior having been just in the Mercedes stable. So... I don't know about that because for me he would be the only if you look at the rest of the options out there so I'm thinking off the top of my head people like Schumacher um, Giovinazzi Hulkenberg any any number of junior drivers either like Felipe Drogovic or um, Sergeant Logan Sergeant or Jack Doohan is another one um, none of those are as interesting in inverted commas as Nick De Vries so for me unless Alpine desperately want Gasly then they they would be in a situation where they'd have to go for someone else because Gasly, unless there's a valid option for replacing him, would stay at AlphaTauri. And I don't, I don't, I just can't see Toto Wolff letting Nick DeVries go to letting letting um letting him go to Red Bull would just be, I think, a an own goal in my opinion. So for me, Sonoda's safe, like he's been confirmed. I think Gasly. At the moment, if if they, Red Bull had got Colton Herta, I think Gazi to Alpine would have definitely have been on the cards. But like, I just can't see Mercedes letting Nick De Vries go to AlphaTauri. I could be proved completely wrong, as is the way of F1 City season. But I think that Gasly and Sonoda looks like it will still be the combination next year. At the moment, that's my gut. I I am inclined to agree with you. I, I personally think that uh, on your discussion about Toto Wolf, there, I think. Toto Wolf letting Nick DeVries go would be like turkeys voting for Christmas. It it just wouldn't make any <laughs> sense to to play that particular card. 
unless you secretly knew something about him. Oh yeah, you know, you can have Nick DeVries. Um, he's not very good, mm-hmm. but of course that was disproved because he certainly shone um, in the previous race. So I don't know with with DeVries. I think he's basically tied into a, a certain stream at the moment. I could see him going into uh, into Williams, and I'm sure. Many other fans out there might might agree, um, or at least a Mercedes esque car, um, it's like McLaren or something like that as well. They could go there and eventually up into Mercedes if and when Hamilton retired. But to be honest, Mercedes kind of have a you know pick of the crop to be honest at the moment. So we'll mm. come back to that, I think, um, because I'm not totally sure De Vries would would get it. Um, however, that does leave. A, a, a gasly shaped hole in Alpha Tauri if the gas man were to depart for uh, pastures new and personally I think Alpha Tauri is Gasly's you know dream and nightmare I, so I think Gasly kind of has Stockholm syndrome when it comes to the the, <laughs> the 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 team because the team is keeping him in the sport and kind of is also his captor so he has this sort of love for it but also you know, it must be very difficult for him to leave. And I think his best option at the moment is to go to Alpine. But who would replace him? That's the real question. And, and I don't actually know. You chucked a whole load of names out there, Angus. And to be honest, I, I don't know. I noticed there's no no female names, though. Just to bring back into the conversation the thing I said last, last week about how the Super License points is stupid and the W Series is only worth 15 points. And it's gauged over three years. So, you know, that's ab- outrageous to me. So, you know, perhaps, perhaps, and this is actually some advice to Alvatari, maybe they could see if there's any up-and-coming female drivers they could bring into their, their driver program. Alpine's already said they're going to do that. So that could be, as you know, solve their problems. Perhaps expand the paddock a little bit. So, you know, that's a suggestion I, I'd give them. And I would love a surprise like that to uh, to come out of, of mm. you know, out, into the news because it, it's about time that i think we we sort of ex- expand a little bit i mean imagine if they said yeah you know we're, we're looking at someone like jamie chadwick w series winner absolutely mm. worthy of, of getting into at least you know free practice the car so yeah to be honest angus i don't know who would and who would replace um gasly but they will hold on to him if there's no one else but to be honest his contract's going to be up he's going to be in negotiations with with other dry um with other teams and Red Bull and AlphaTauri cannot have a an ultimate clutch over him. Just look how Ricardo kind of blindsided them when he moved from Red Bull over to to Renault. So clearly there is there is some wiggle room there. So I think it's a Gazi's best interest to depart from AlphaTauri if there is a good option such as Alpine. I think Alpine is the go-to. By the way, I don't think there's anyone else at the moment. Um, and I think Red Bull would support that, but. I don't know what Alvatari would do without Gasly because you know he is a, a pretty big supporting trust for the for the team. Without him, you know, a lot of the the knowledge and and experience is lost, and Sonoda is nowhere near on the same level. I think at the moment as Gasly in terms of just you know reliability and knowledge of the team and it's a big thing to to build that trust and relationship that's partly why lewis hamilton for example has said he's not going anywhere away from mercedes because you know he's got that big you know sort of family-esque connection now so it's a real tricky one it really is but 
I think AlphaTauri could do themselves a favour by looking outside you know, the box, thinking outside the box a little bit, and maybe, as I say, looking to uh, alternative um, options to bring in a new a new driver. Um, but I guess that also ties into the fact that I think in parallel to that, the FIA need to assess um, the way they uh, hand out points because otherwise we get into weird situations like with Herta where he doesn't have enough points to get into the sport. So, yeah, there is a couple of things that need to change, mm. but you know, I guess we'll we'll wait and see. Uh, you know, they might you know pull the driver <laughs> uh, from nowhere. I mean, it wasn't a huge surprise, was it, when Yuki Tsunoda was announced as staying on for another season when it comes to AlphaTauri. And that means now that AlphaTauri, when it comes to their competitors in the midfield, hold all the cards, really, because their driver lineup is set for next season. If Alpine wants to go and get Gasly, they have to come there with a huge bag of cash and go, we'd like your French driver, please. And that's before we look at the personal relationship between Ocon and Gasly, which I understand from karting days wasn't too harmonious, shall we say. So, Alpine are in a bit of a pickle really because they've either got to go to AlphaTauri and say hello we'd like Gasly and here's millions of pounds or they've got to go back to Daniel Ricciardo a driver who left them for pastures new greener pastures and say hello we'd like you back please after you well in many ways stabbed us in the back really so Alpine through the whole Piastri fiasco have really left themselves with a lot of work to do and time is running out really but AlphaTauri, I think they've played a, a blinder in many ways in terms of consistency and security moving forwards by tying down Sonoda. The question now is how will he do next season because this season has been very average, not only for Sonoda but I think the team as well really. And I think if Gasly were to leave, a huge part of the pyramid were to disappear and maybe the house of cards in many ways comes falling down because the pipeline in terms of talent when it comes to Red Bull is, is very, very dry. I mean, they could, for example, go to someone like Nick De Vries and say, we like you very much. But once again, that is a, a situation where De Vries would have to leave the Mercedes Academy or have no connection with them. He couldn't continue to be having conversations with Toto Wolf while driving for the Red Bull B team or sister team as they love to be called there. So a big decision for De Vries, a big decision for AlphaTauri moving forwards. But there really isn't a lot of drivers out there. We'll get onto some of the names that have been circulating in just a bit, but there's not too many drivers out there who are quote-unquote race ready really for Formula 1 or have Formula 1 uh, experience at the very least moving forward so I think AlphaTauri have played a very smart move it's not the most I suppose sexy or attractive one but looking at what's out there it's a very very smart one without them having to go and get X driver from let's say a different academy or different arrangement because look at someone like let's say Giovinazzi or Schumacher tied to Ferrari so very few options I think for Alpine and um Probably the best that AlphaTauri could have done. But I think if you were to write a report card for Sonoda, for Gasly, for the team, it would be must do better, really, because they love to be called a sister team and love to give off that air of being different um, to Red Bull, related, but not a B team, and want to push on and compete in that sort of midfield battle. But they've been sinking lower and lower, really, and it's been a pretty drab season if you are an AlphaTauri fan. <sighs> And on that point, we move over to the drivers who are currently without a seat in Formula 1. I'm going to throw some names at you here, and if you go and tell me where you think they'll end up, if anywhere, and secondly, where you'd like them to go, that'll be just great. Have you got a name for this game? Driver darts! Driver darts. Doom. Yeah, they'll do that. Driver darts. Nice one. (laughs) Okay, we'll start off 
with a bit of a, a left-field one. Antonio Giovinazzi, where will he go, if anywhere at all? Oh, he's not in the sp- he's, he's not he's not in the sport. So <laughs> he's not going to get in, though, is he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stay out. Well, <laughs> he's, te- he's technically a reserve driver for Ferrari if you count that as being in the sport. But um, will he go elsewhere? Will that be the peak of his power after he's been dumped from Alfa Romeo? What's our thoughts? You might well get into Ferrari if you go by what one of the uh, ex Ferrari bosses said this week, which was um, Leclerc is just is missing something in uh, in his fight for the world championship. Um, yeah points and a decent team manager. So <laughs> maybe Ferrari isn't I don't know, so maybe Ferrari's not quite back in Leclerc, but um Giovinazzi could well go back into um Sauber and they might well be Sauber Audi um soon, but Alfa Romeo Sauber. Um but again I don't think that's gonna be anytime soon. I'd like to see him stay out of the sports no, no offence Antonio. I know he's a listener of the podcast. No offence buddy. Um but I think that Ferrari reserve driver is a good gig for him. I think he'll stay as that. I can't. I was literally when you, as soon as you said the first name, I was going through my head thinking who I think will be in each of the three seats um, that are remaining, and I don't think Giovinazzi would get one of them. So I'm going to say that he will be. Oh, actually, mm, actually, no, yeah, I think he'll stay out of the sport. I think he'll stay out of the sport. I agree. Not not going to Haas. No, not Haas that I want pick, that. Haas will pick someone else. If yeah, they, even agreed. if they um, drop Schumacher, and that's a big if. That is yeah, that is true. That is true. And uh, Guan Yu Zhou was meant to be on this list, but we heard uh, when we're or just before we started recording on Tuesday, he's signed for another year for Alpha Romeo. So congratulations to him. Uh, another driver then, Daniel Ricciardo. Where will he go if anywhere at all? Oh, I I don't know. Ricciardo, I think again, it's it's one of those things where these drivers are are. You know, they're, I don't want to say tainted, it's the wrong word, but they themselves, I think, have, have lost from their potential. And so, I, again, I think when he departs out the sport, he's probably going to be going to be lost. Um, and I think it's that's why the, the announcement of, like, Guan Yu Zhou, for example, staying is so, so big, because basically that's a wild card seat. And you know, that's, for example, was what I would have suspected for uh, Giovinazzi's best shot, right? Um, but you know that seat's taken now, and and so teams are going to want stability. They're going to want performance. And Ricardo's good, but I feel like his best days are behind him. So I think, unfortunately, he might well not get another seat, and he may well, you know, be be packing up to do something else. I could see him in Extreme E, for example, actually. So you know, maybe it was, it's time for him to do something else. I want him to stay in the sport because I think he's great for the sport, and he oh, he used to be a phenomenal driver, but he just dropped off, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, but I don't think he will. I think sabbatical, two-year sabbatical could be the end. I can see him in America next season, just in IndyCar or NASCAR or something like that. NASCAR, um, yeah. Trying try something different. But yeah, I think the remaining seats that are left, I can't see him in one of those. So Because um, he'll, want, he'll want to be in a race-winning car, which yep. he won't be. And he won't want to be a reserve driver. So yeah, he'll be out of the sport, I think, next year. For me, for some reason, Daniel Ricciardo and Alex Albon at Williams has a nice ring to it. Have you been seeing mm. that on Twitter? That's that's made its rounds. I saw that. No, well. I, I haven't actually. I uh, haven't. No, no. No, I, I kind of see where you're coming from. But the question is, mm-hmm. is, Tom, is, is would Ricardo be able to perform at Williams or would the performance of the car and the fact that it might be at the back sort of knock him down too much? Because Ricardo's quite emotional, you know, both good and mm. bad. 
Yeah, I think in many ways when we're looking at Ricardo in terms of Formula 1, he can't really sink any lower in terms of performance really. He hasn't really got a pedestal to stand on to say, A, I want to be in a race winning car or B, I want a larger salary or a decent salary. So that's the reason behind my sort of Williams proposal because I think Williams are showing in many ways their ability to slowly but surely climb up from the very base of, of the Constructors' Championship. I mean, they're not showing it now, but the fact they've dumped Latifi shows that A, they must have some ambition moving forwards, incredible ambition at that, and B, must no longer be in need of cash revenue from a driver. So if they're really serious about... You know, making good on that ambition and putting some sort of meat on the bone type thing, I think it would suit Williams and it would suit Ricardo as well because I think he's still got a, a point to prove really and if he's got some humility about him and really wants to stay in the sports, then that would be his best route. But the question I think is how much does he want to stay in the sport because that's another question as well. The Alpine door is still open but I think that is politically a bit of a difficult situation for both Ricardo and Alpine themselves. So... That's the, the the cleanest way for him to stay in the sport, I guess, but we'll see. Well, I hope you're right. It does have a nice ring to it. Um, let's go for Nico Hulkenberg. In the sport, out the sport, our thoughts. Reserve driver for Aston Martin. Probably is, is about mm. as best it can get for him, to be honest. Uh, or reserve driver for Alpine. I, I Again, that's the, that's the top level for Hulkenberg, I'm afraid. Uh, I, I don't think he's going to come back into the sport as much as much as it would be a hilarious pairing <laughs> to have Kevin Magnussen <laughs> and, and uh, Nico Hulkenberg in the Haas because they hate each other. Um, <laughs> and and if, you, if you don't know that, then please go off and, and search up for some of the exchanges they've had because it is mildly amusing. Um, just listen with headphones on. It's not always appropriate for our work. Um, so that would be hilarious for us but I think Gunter Steiner would probably quit um, if those two were in the same team and I don't think he's going to get into the back into the sport um, either he has his you know good run a few moments of, of magic with the Hulk and back but to be honest I think that's what, what we will we will love about him and it will keep him in, you know close to our hearts knowing that we adored him for being Hulk and back if there's anything as much of a sniff as a hashtag of Hulk and back, then please, can he not come back? Can he not Hulk and come back? Um, I think... I don't want him to be in the sport. I'm sorry, Nico. He's 35. Like, give youth a chance. Things are always better when you freshen things up with youth um, and freshen up. You get rid of the, 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 the person who's been around for a while but hasn't done anything spectacular. Um, give someone else a chance. Where do I think he'll be? I still think he won't be in the sport. I think there's a slim chance of him being at Haas, but I've got a slightly rogue one for my who I think will be at Haas eventually. But um, mm. at the moment, if we if we get onto that, but I don't I don't think he might end up at Haas, but I can't see it. Fair enough. I mean, he could, in my view, perhaps end up at Williams with a sort of Daniel Ricciardo school of thought, i.e., dependable driver, no longer in need of someone who has lots of money to fund the drive and a dependable pair of hands to go next to Albon. But um, yes, that's probably my thoughts on that. And moving over to the Haas driver who's currently there but not signed on for next season, Mick Schumacher. Where will, will he stay at Haas? Be dumped? Our thoughts. Well, I'm going to go on the side of stays at Haas. And uh, I, I I believe that he may well have, have just about saved himself 
because the the pool of potential drivers to enter into Formula One is rather limited. And I think Haas kind of got the same problem that um, AlphaTauri might, because there's, there's going to be a lot of battle for the you know the top drivers, uh, you know potential drivers, and like you know we know where else Capriastri is going now. We know where Nick, well Nick De Vries is being sort of fought over, I think. And Schumacher brings with it some good publicity, and to be honest, Haas really needs that. You know, they, they will sell so many pieces of little furniture um, by being able to bring <laughs> Gunder Steiner and Mick Schumacher into, into the one photo shoot. And that's really good. And they need that that partnership there. And I think Schumacher is just about um, held on to, you know, his own. And he's got he's got his first points now under his belt. So I think they'll retain him. I think they'll retain him with them ca- uh, some caveats and say, well, look, you know, look, old chap, we know who your father is and uh, we know some big boots, but it- it's time to sort of step up a little bit and hopefully he will do next season. But I don't think this will be his breaking season. I think that will be down to next year. I think they'll give him an extra, extra year because of the car difference. I'm not convinced personally. I think if 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 um, selling little, bit, little bits of furniture decides your driver lineup, I think... <laughs> You could argue. You could argue that'd be taking the mick, but um, no. It's, uh, thank you. That's, yeah. <laughs> so, on a serious note, <laughs> on a serious note, I think that oh, I don't think he'll be in the sport. I think I'm going to say he's going to be in the World Sports Car Championship or something like that. But no, seriously, like, I think that Hass's pa- yeah uh, his patience may well have run out with him. I think that there are more. Um, lucrative options out there in terms of funding who are the same pace if not quicker than him I think that it's interesting you say because you think he'll stay because I've from the stuff that I read on websites and my website's not being Twitter so I trust my sources a lot more um, they think that the ones that I've read F1 journalists think that Schumacher is as good as gone from Haas they think that he's basically like there's not much that can happen for him to stay now and that they're looking around for other options so I'm going to say, and he's also cut ties with Ferrari now, so he won't be a reserve driver there. Um, so for me, I think uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe reserve, reserve driver for Aston Martin. We'll just give them every driver on the F1 scrap heap can be given to Aston Martin <laughs> as a reserve. They can have like 10 reserve drivers. Um, but no, I think that Schumacher for me out the sport completely. I have to agree. I have a horrible feeling, and it's not personal, but my old nemesis Giovinazzi is going to return. <laughs> just, it just, it just, I just have a feeling, you know. Just have a feeling, but yeah, yeah. And finally, we've hinted at him. We've spoken about him, Nick De Vries. Where will he go? Oh, that's an excellent question, isn't it, Williams? Because that seems like a a solid idea to me. Gives him some good opportunities as well. Gives him some good opportunities in a car that he knows he can actually drive, which is a big help. If you're if you're going to pick a team, right, and everyone's you know everyone's asking you who who do you want to go to, then you have to think rather tactically. And he knows how he does in the Williams, so that's that's quite nice. That's a sort of try before you buy sort of scenario, which in Formula One does not happen very often if at all and so you know he has tried the team and if i was him i would think about that that line of succession okay you go from williams and then you have the option then to go to mclaren you have the option to go to mercedes 
and I think playing that that maze game I think he's has the options to go down any possible route from from William so yeah that's where I would go if I was him so to be, to be fair I mean for Nick DeVries I'm gonna say I'm gonna go rogue here I'm gonna finish by saying who I think will fill those three seats that are left and I'm gonna say mm. that Nick DeVries to Alpine I think I think what? that yeah I think that he's he did a, he did an in-season test with Al- Alpine did a test last week evaluating three drivers specifically, um, and they were De Vries, Giovinazzi, and Jack Doohan, F2 driver. Oh my God. And for me, for me, surely De Vries is winning out those three. But for me, seriously, De Vries is he shows such good speed in his F1 debut, like like ridiculous, got up to speed so quickly. I know caveat penalties, yes, I know, but still. Like as in the grid penalties, which popped him into the top ten, but he held his nerve and, like, he really acquitted himself well. And you say about it's interesting about how you, the point about um, slipping into the Williams and driving that quickly. He has, in fact, now driven four different F1 machinery this year because he's done Aston Martin practice runs, Williams race, Mercedes practice run, and Alpine test. So. He's like acquitted himself to different machinery, which I think will benefit him. Um, and I think he's shown, if he's shown that turn of speed to hold on to points finishes in a Williams, let's say that Alpine is as competitive as competitive as it is right now. Last year, if not this year, if not, if not more, like that that guy is banking points every weekend, as far as I'm concerned. Um, mm. Like he's made a very strong start. He's also he's not going in like a typical rookie. Like Piastri will be going in with two three years no three four years of car experience right but de Vries has driven he's been a mclaren test driver in the past he's driven formula two formula three formula e uh world endurance championship possibly as well so he's got experience across many disciplines and he's going in he'll be 28 when he starts so the experience is behind him so i can definitely see for me i reckon nick de Vries at alpine alongside ocon that's a strong lineup in my opinion Williams, I think Logan Sargent would be promoted in as the junior. He's currently third in F2. As long as he finishes top five, I think he gets the super license points. So they'll have to wait till Abu Dhabi for that. But I'd say they'd want to promote from their academy. And then I'm going to throw possibly a very rogue shout out there for the Haas seat. I'm going to go Nicholas Latifi is going to slide his way in there oh, oh with, his, with, his, with, his, with his money <laughs> with his money his big Le- oh. his Lavazza bank account he's just going to slide in there ahead of Magnussen and Giovinazzi and he's going to nick that final seat and be basically exactly the same deja vu because it'll be a Magnussen and a driver who is you know semi semi fast mm. but prangs a bit so that's uh, my very very rogue shout for, but I think De Vries to Alpine is is a, a bit rogue, but less rogue. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I see the logic with that one. I don't think Haas are in a scenario where they need Latifi. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> like, yeah. But then again, I suppose with the Madsman money leaving, uh, yeah. And also, yeah. like, I mean, two, a month, like, no, even two and a half weeks ago, Nick De Vries was kind of like, oh, he probably won't get an F one seat, and now we got three teams all clamouring for his services so things can change quickly as they may still change and it seems that's all we've got time for in terms of episode 31 of F1 in Review thank you very much for listening all the way to the end of this one be that on your preferred podcast provider or via River Radio be that live or via the listen back feature 
A reminder you can follow myself, Tristan, and the F1 in Review account on Twitter. F1 in Review account is just all like that. No underscores, no nothing, just the words. And next, we look forward to the Singapore Grand Prix. It returns after a two season hiatus. COVID imposed, of course. Qualifying is at 2 pm on the Saturday, the race on Sunday at 1 pm. This all being uh, British time if you're watching or indeed listening in the UK. But thank you very much for listening to this episode, and we look forward to reviewing some actual F1 racing in the next episode. See you later. Thank you.